This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tool. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Raw Reaction series where we react to the latest Arsenal news, matches, breakdowns, etc. Um, but today, as it is Wednesday, Wednesday's all our, always our awkward show day because uh, I work in the evenings on a Wednesday. And so the show could be at any time. And obviously, we also have the fact that there's no midweek game this week, which is in a way quite nice in the sense that our players are going to get a rest. But in other ways, it's a real pain for a content creator because uh, it's great when you've got midweek games because you've got lost stuff to kind of talk about and there's not the yearning longing for the next game to come around the corner. Um, so what I thought I would do is do a Q&A session on a Wednesday uh, where there's not effectively games. This might become a regularity sort of thing on a Wednesday that we do a midday-ish, two o'clock, between the midday-ish hours of, of, of the UK times. Uh, when there's no midweek game to fill that gap. So this could become a regularity. We'll see where it goes. Before we roll the mid-roll credits, though, what I would like to say is um, you probably saw a change in the thumbnail. That is kind of, that was all me. Um, and I know that the members are well aware that we are investing very heavily in changing a lot of the graphics, the intro videos and stuff like that. And I suppose this is kind of just like a tipping off point of getting people used to seeing a couple of changes with the thumbnails. I kind of like that design personally. Let me know in the comments what you think. Um, but things are going to radically change in terms of how the channel looks, uh, the background of what I've got. It's just so much. And this is a really good opportunity for me to say for the members and those that support the channel and the people that have donated and given super chats, etc., that it's a huge thank you to you guys uh, for this specifically, because without that, there is no way the level of investment that's going into the graphic designers behind the work that's going on behind the scenes would happen. Um, I'm really excited to see uh, what you guys think of the new look of the channel uh, and how different it's going to be and how professional it's going to look. And hopefully that will kind of set the bar high to move on into 2022 next year and getting on with that. I know we're only sitting in March right now, but always thinking about the long term, thinking about where the channel is eventually going to go. And, and hopefully with you guys 
always at the center of it and we are building towards that don't you worry so there's my big long thank you uh, to everyone we really appreciate your time but uh, let's crack on with today's q a So what I thought I'd do to start off the show, I did put the tweet out uh, saying that we were going to be doing this Q&A and had a couple of people reply on Twitter uh, with questions for the show. So I thought we'd cover those first. Um, so The Resistance uh, says, at Anz14, who I know joins us a lot in the chat box as well, says, I have a question. Why do Arsenal fans think we have a right to be top four challengers? As soon as we all realise that our owners are to blame and not Arteta, and certainly not Willian or Bellerin, the sooner we can start enjoying what we're doing and we are making progress. Now, this is a good question um, because I agree with with a kind of portion of it. Um, and I think the portion that I agree with, I actually covered quite a lot in yesterday's video with Turkish. If you ever watched that back, um, me and Turkish had a really good discussion yesterday, kind of about the ownership and where the club's going and what kind of restrictions we have whilst we are under the current ownership. And my honest answer uh, and 14 is is basically the, the same sort of thing that I was saying yesterday is that I think that there is it's not about having a right to be top four challengers but in the kind of the the level that Arsenal are at financially even with the owner that they've got we should be looking to challenge for the top four that in my view that should be the target in the, the, the always kind of the, the consistent target what Arsenal needs to be achieving season upon season is pushing for a top four place I don't think that this season that's necessarily possible because we're still going through kind of the change and getting the right players in under this new coach. But next season will be the big judgment year where if we're not making progress towards that goal, then questions are really going to have to be kind of asked towards Arteta about how is he taking the club forwards? Is this working? Right now, I don't see that as the right kind of situation to do that. And I see that there's a lot of progress going on behind the scenes with the squad and moving on with players and defensive records and competing in big games more so than we ever did before. And I see that progress. But in the league table sense, even though we're only, what, I think eight, seven, eight points off of fourth place, um, we've still a lot of the season still to play, that we need to be making that progress next season into competing with that. Do we have a right to be top four? Do we have a right to be in top 10? No football club has a right and expectation to be where they are. I don't, I'm not on board with that idea. And I agree with you in that sense. The issue boils down to, though, is that Arsenal are on a certain pedestal because of the money that they have had, that they have spent, that the owners and the wealth of the owners of the club has at its disposable, the wages that we pay to players and the money that we demand of fans to go and watch the team and buy the products as well. That leads into their expectation and that is always going to give people a certain perspective about how they view the club, quite rightly in some senses. If you are paying the most money of any fan in the league, you should probably feel like you're going to be getting an equal and an equivalent product. Whilst that's not realistic in the world of football, it is certainly going to be a justifiable reason behind having that opinion. And I certainly have a lot of sympathy for that side of the argument, for sure. I hope that answers your question. Um, Mr. DJ at ExpatGuna on Twitter says, question for the show, with the current impressive run of Manchester City, talk has begun to arise of they can't be stopped. They're boring to compete. The game is over due to their financial backing and FFP being a joke. What would be your thoughts on how to stop their current dominance? Uh, <laughs> obviously, if I knew the answer to that, honestly, I would be a manager of another club competing with Manchester City. But speculating on that, 
you need to have the only way that you actually get to the same level as Man City is by replicating what they're doing because we have seen that FFP has effectively not worked. And if it hasn't worked now, Man City have already gotten away with what they've done so far and built an amazing hyper squad of players and still brought through players like Phil Foden, etc., to then come through the ranks and they're investing in their academy so they don't have to invest in bringing in talent from outside as much in the future. And the issue is, is that can you stop Manchester City's dominance? The only way to do that is by other clubs spending equal, if not more, amounts to get up to that same level and buy players to fill the squad out and have as coaches that are as good. Arsenal's sights are not on Man City right now. Arsenal's sights are certainly on looking towards challenging for the top four. And then once we've got that consistently back in our repertoire again, then we can focus on trying to see where we can push forward from here. I don't personally feel like it's a really achievable goal to be matching Manchester City while Stan Kroenke is the owner and is doing what he's currently doing. If he suddenly turns around and starts pumping money into transfer windows like we've seen with Chelsea last season under Roman Abramovich and before that and what Manchester City have done then the, the, then it changes then the, the sites change and you have different kind of parameters to look at where the club is and where we could go but under what we currently have and what we're doing that's not the that's not what Arsenal fans can expect we can't be expecting to go for the title every season but I do feel as it answered in the first question that we should be looking to go more towards fighting for that top four position which I see as a next season's clear goal and that if it's not achieved next season or if we haven't come close to achieving that next season, then that's when questions will start to be asked. Um, let's go up to the top of the chat. Uh, thank you ever so much, guys, for tuning in. I can see all of you. Uh, we're going to try and go through as many of your questions as feasibly possible today. Um, so let me scroll to the top and see what some of the guys were saying before we jumped in. Uh, Sheath King says, question for the Q&A. With regards to the summer transfer plans, Mavropanos, Matt Smith, Rekic, Charlie Patino, Kurjan, Nikolai Moller and Joel Lopez appear to be up and coming from the academy. Given that Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe are 19 and 20 and all of the above are also 17 to 20 years of age. Is there a need to invest that heavily? The answer, Sheath King, is still yes. There is a very, very clear need to invest heavily in the squad because ultimately a lot of these young players aren't of the level that improve our first team. Yes, they are potential talents. Yes, they've got the ability to be as good as some of the players, if not better, than we've already got playing in the team. But the fact of the matter is that this season, next season, probably the season after that, maybe even the season after that, some of those, if not all of those players, are still not going to be of a level that is going to improve the current squad. The U team is always needing to be important. You always need to look at the best talents you've got and gradually give them minutes so they can break into the team like we saw with Bakayo Saka um, and Eddie Nketiah and Joe Willock and Reese Nelson. And sometimes it works. Saka is the case in point. Emil Smith-Rowe is another case in point. The problem is, though, is that some those youngsters turn out not to be good enough. And that's why we need to be looking at selling the likes of Reese Nelson, Joe Willock, Eddie Nketiah, getting as much money for those guys as possible, because that's what clubs do. You can't keep all of the youngsters at the club happy. You can't keep them at the club forever. So you need to make sure that you find the gems and you keep them and then you move away from the ones that aren't necessarily in our thoughts going to make it. We can't keep making the same mistakes like we have done with Serge Gnabry, Ismail Benassa, Jeffrey Adelaide. 
I feel like you can't keep everyone. And there is for every Serge Gnabry, there's 50 odd people like uh, Javier Amici at Hamburg, as an example. Apologies. Um, but like, there, there's always going to be plenty more that we do let go that aren't anywhere near close to making it, or your Benekophobies that don't ever go on to really be like a top class striker that some people thought they might have been with the goals that they were scoring at Wolves. Um, so that I hope that answers your question because. You, yes, you need to like obviously see young players coming through, but we need to be investing because we need to improve the squad. And the only way we're going to get better and rise up the table and achieve our targets is by improving on the players that we've got. And the youngsters, I feel, aren't of a level yet where they would necessarily do that. Would necessarily a Charlie Patino be in the future? Of course. Could a wreckage be better than a Rob Holding in the future? Probably, maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed. But right now, not really something that we can look at. Let's go down to Ingars, one of our members who says, what is happening with Reese Nelson? Should he be given a chance over Willian as a 70 minute, 70th minute substitute? Um, the answer is that I don't think Arteta is too, not necessarily impressed. I just don't think Arteta and many of the coaching staff believe that Reese Nelson deserves to be in the squad over Willian right now. And I, I'm inclined to kind of agree with that. Um, I get that there's a lot of frustration around Willian, um, but for all the frustration around Willian, there is no, for me, I haven't seen evidence to suggest that Reese Nelson is going to make it at Arsenal. I have not seen evidence from him or Nketiah or from Joe Willock that they are long-term, they're going to make it at Arsenal. I've not seen any evidence for me to suggest that. You might say that's harsh. You might say that's unrealistic at this stage in their careers. But at the ages that they are, they need to be playing regularly for Arsenal and they need to be making good performance. I mean, you look at the performances of Bakaya Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe as comparisons. They blow Reese Nelson out the water, absolutely and clearly. And Arsenal needs to be able to get cutthroat with these young guys. And if we can get an amount of money for them in the summer that we can then reinvest in other areas... That is my personal view of what's happening. Willian is a difficult one to obviously compare with Reese Nelson because the club's invested a lot of money into getting Willian and they should probably try to make it work. And if you can get consistent performances like we saw out of him against Leicester, I mean, that performance against Leicester was far and away better than any performance in an Arsenal shirt, I feel, from Reese Nelson. And that goes to show kind of the ceilings of both players. Yes, that's probably the top of what Willian's capable of, but what Reese Nelson's capable of if it's higher than Willian, we're not seeing it. And because we're not seeing it, there's a good excuse to say probably best that we look to move him on in the summer. Let's scroll down a bit more to get some other people's questions. Mr. Joe Kerr says, uh, keep throwing in questions, by the way, further down, but I'm going to try and mix it up with people that have asked questions throughout. Uh, Mr. Joe Kerr says, uh, three minimum and realistic requirements, expectations each season, Tom, from next summer onwards. Wow. Um, I mean, not forever. <laughs> Each season. Wow. It's, it's, I'll give you what I feel we should be looking at kind of in the short term and then a more broad view of the long term. So next season, the minimum requirement has to be the Arsenal challenges for a top four spot. That doesn't mean that if you come fifth or sixth, you sack your manager because you've still made arguable progress. But the point is, is that we need to be challenging 
for that top four. And in a Premier League, which is completely kind of saturated with money and quality at the top end of the league, it's a really difficult thing to do. It's no longer, there's no longer a big six. You're looking at a big eight and, and greater than that with teams doing really well this season. It's really, really competitive now at the top of the Premier League table. So competing in that top, for that top four spot must be kind of the requirement, the target that is set for Arteta at the start of the summer campaign. In terms of the targets in the market, Arsenal need to be looking at bringing in players that improve drastically the positions that are in need of attention. It's not going looking at Hector Bellerin and going, oh, we need to get someone who's a little bit better than him. No, it's you're going out and someone who's buying a world-class option that will get into a lot of the teams that are competing with us. You have to look at a player and go, are they better or as good as the players that are in competing sides around us? And if the answer to that question is no, then they're probably not worth looking at. They're probably not worth going, did they get into those sides? I don't think they do. And so then you're not going to be, get, you're not closing the gap with those teams, are you? I look at someone, and I did a, obviously an article the other day about the top five right backs that I would look at to bring in right now. There were some on there, admittedly. Do they get into all of those top six teams? One or two of them may not do right now, but certainly have the potential to in the future. And that's also something that you've got to kind of weather and think about because you're never going to be able to go out there and buy a world-class player in every position. Arsenal aren't going to be able to do that. Other clubs like Man City, Chelsea, United can because the money that they've got, Arsenal can't. So you have to be a little bit savvy sometimes. You have to be a little bit savvy like West Ham have. You look at Vladimir Kufal. Does Kufal get into Arsenal's team right now? Of course he does. If we'd assigned Kufal in the summer, would people have absolutely been outraged by that? Of course they would. Because that's kind of the level of arrogance a, level, a portion, not all, of the Arsenal fan base have. And we need to be savvy in the market and we need to be open to some players coming in that necessarily we don't know too much about but could have an impact at the club. So that's kind of the, the, the short term. The long term is to then become consistent, Joe. It's, it's about challenging for the top four every single season and so that you can have. And then by selling and buying smartly and well and bringing in money and getting more fans into the ground, that one season, when everything goes your way, you don't get any barely any big high-profile injuries, you've done some really good sales and buys, and you've crafted a really kind of well-gelled-together squad full of players that are reaching their peak, that are at their peak, that are there's experienced players in the team. And once you've got a collection that works and is moulded together, and you can have one go at the title like Liverpool did last season, that's the club that Arsenal are under the current ownership. If we were to change owner and we had an owner like Manchester City and we could spend loads of money every single summer, then the title every season would be the hope, the target. But under the current parameters of what this club is, that's just not a realistic target right now. Um, Yoni Max says, how much did you pay Turkish to be that positive? <laughs> I didn't say anything. I just asked Turkish the questions. That's all I did, Yonik. He came out with the answers and there was very, very positive responses in the comments yesterday after the show. So I appreciate everyone. I just gave him the questions and he came out with the answers. That's that's all I can say, Yonic. Anthony Michael says, if an Eduard comes in, do you sell Nketiah and Lacazette or just Lacazette? Anthony, I'm selling both in the summer is my honest answer. If we get an Eduard in, you have to look at what's going on. If we were to lose Nketiah, Laka and Balogun, I might look at going, do we just allow Lacazette's contract to go down to its final? Like, do we allow it to just expire? Do we allow Nketiahs to just expire just so we've got that cover to give Moller another year of kind of development with the youth team before we introduce him? You've also got to think about where do you place the future of Gabriel Martinelli? Is it as a central striker? 
So I, I'm still looking at this summer and going Lacazette and Nketiah are two players. I look at sellable assets for the club. If an Athletics go Madrid, Roma, whoever, Monaco are interested in Lacazette, get 15 to 20 million kid, kid, quid for the kid and just move him on because he's got a year left on his deal. He's turning 30 very, very soon. 15 to 20 million quid in this market hit by a pandemic is not actually too bad of a deal for a player in that scenario, that situation. Um, and Ketia, you could probably get equal, really, considering the fact he's English, homegrown, played in the Premier League, scored in the Premier League, um, and he's still very young. Uh, England Youth International, you could probably get a similar fee, but the fact that he's got a very well, one year left on his deal could limit that a little bit more. Um, thanks, Jasha. Much appreciated. Hello, Taib. Um, let's go down and get some different questions from di- different people. Uh, Come on, come on, come on. Let me find some different questions. Uh, Kuroko says, what is your main right-back target? I'm personally not a fan of Lamptey or Aaron's. I really like uh, Baku at Wolfsburg. Uh, best right-back in the... Uh, oh, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. Oh, someone's calling me. Mr. Mrs. Uh, Riddle... Baku at Wolfsburg. I genuinely have not. I don't know too much about him. Uh, Bundesliga is not my domain. It's Drew's. Let me just have a look at him very briefly. He's rated. He's 22 years of age, 15 million pounds. Um, four goals, three assists so far this season. It's not a bad return, but I, I, I don't know enough about him to comment. So I'm not going to comment. In terms of, I think Lamptey's a really good kind of a young guy coming through. Does he get into, we use these parameters like I did earlier. Does he get into the top six teams in the Premier League? Not right now, he doesn't. He might do in the future. I look at someone like uh, Mukiele at uh, RB Leipzig as someone that I really like and that would, I think, get into us and a lot of other teams in the Premier League. I think he's a very, very good option. I like Christensen at Red Bull Salzburg, Danish international. Um, also a very kind of attacking fullback. Um, Masrawi at Ajax is another option that you could go for as well as an option maybe as a kind of attacking, but also he's not like rapid. Uh, Masrawi, and he likes to cut like kind of drift inside and, and that could work with the right back that we've got available to us. There's lots of options out there. I actually think there's more options than people give credit for out there at the moment. And, and it's maybe something that we need to look a little bit more into. Uh, I also like Emerson at Real Betis, but there's an issue with him because he's got uh, he's jointly owned by Betis and Barca in like an unspoken rule. And Barcelona can basically buy him this summer for 9 million euros. And then they could look to sell him. They might be open to selling him because they've got Sergi Roberto. They've just invested in Sergino Dest. So they might be looking to move him on, but they won't want to sell cheap because Barcelona need money from sales. And that'll be someone that I think if they can agree a deal with someone that they could look to move on. Um, Zamir Dumfries, I'm not as keen on him. I see a lot of people shouting Dumfries' name everywhere. And when I put out the list of five right backs, that was someone that people kind of tweeted back saying, why not Dumfries? I'm not as convinced personally. I've done a tactical breakdown on the channel about him. I'm reflecting now. I'm not as keen. That's just my view on Dumfries. Um, so there, there you go. Um, <laughs> Yonick, I'll have a word with him because I haven't spoken to him in quite a while, actually. Uh, Ingar says, when, hopefully, we get rid of Bellerin in the summer and make Cedric number two right back, who would be your top three targets? I mean, I suppose I've just talked about that. It would be Emerson, uh, Mukiele, and Masrawi. Uh, and Christensen as the other one. Who was the other one that I talked about? Um, 101, Bellerin. I'll show you. I'll throw the article up on the screen so you can see it. 
uh, let me stop the screen. If you are watching or if you're listening to this back on audio only platforms, I'll leave a link to it in the video's description. Um, but you can see it on your screen now. This is the article that I wrote about the five right backs that we could look at. Um, so, uh, Mukiele, uh, Nordi Mukiele at RB Leipzig, Rasmus Christensen at Red Bull Salzburg, uh, Emerson at Real Betis slash Barcelona, uh, Nusser Masraoui at Ajax, and the last one was Tarek Lamptey. Okay, so there was the other one um, that you could look at. I said about I, I could have picked Max Ahrens, um, but I think that we're probably going to be not priced out necessarily, but outcompeted with the likes of Bayern Munich for him. So make sure you check it out, give it a read, and it's got lots of information about each one of those. Uh, Ilias says, uh, would you take Awar, Buendia, or Erdogan in the summer? I'm actually leaning more towards Erdogan right now because he's already integrated. He knows the team. He's working. I've been impressed with him so far. He's only 22. He's going to develop. Um I genuinely would look at it. It depends on the fee, depends on how much Real Madrid would want. Um, behind that, it would be Buendia. Uh, Awa, I've never been convinced by Awa. I've just always had my reservations about him because I think that when Leon don't play well, he doesn't play well. He doesn't drag Leon forwards. He's not a protagonist for me in their team. He doesn't, he's not like he's not like a Bruno Fernandez type at Man United that without him they are ruined. Leon still work without Awa. He's not vital. And I feel like, although I'm not saying that Erdogan is that for us right now, I've seen some really good play from Erdogan with us. And the fact he's already integrated. Buendia is more that guy for Norwich. is more the protagonistic type that they look horrifically worse off without him. And that when he's on it, the team's on it. And when Norwich aren't playing so well, he can still be good in that team. So I lean more towards Erdogan and Buendia than I do Hussem Awar personally. Um Looking at left back, I can see people shouting out possible left backs. Uh, Ingar's asked the question, who would you buy as a second left back for us in the summer? For me, we should be looking at Grimaldo, Benfica. I don't think you're going to be getting Grimaldo to come to be back up, to be honest. Same with Guerrero at Dortmund, Guy at Valencia. I don't look at any of those players and go, they're willing to come to a team and be back up, is my personal kind of view about that. Just look at those players. They're going to be wanting to move to another club and they want to be starting. Grimaldo was was that backup guy at Barcelona when he came through La Masia, um, or as Joe Cole likes to call it, La Masala. Um, and, uh, and then the transfer to Benfica, where he's become a really solid player and becoming, obviously, getting noticed by the Spanish national side as well. So I don't look at them wanting to move to Arsenal and being a backup to Kieran That's where Arsenal need to be a little bit clever, and they need to be looking at someone else. Clive says, Junior Firpo. No, Clive. No, I'm sorry. I don't. I'm not a fan of him. I don't like him. I think he's gone to Barcelona and utterly flopped when he's been given an opportunity at Barcelona. Speaking to Barca fans, and I'm not one of those. I'm an Espanol kind of follower who, obviously, for obvious reasons, is not the biggest fan of Barcelona. Um, but I'm just, I'm not a fan of Firpo at all. I liked him at Real Betis. I thought he was developing at Betis really, really well. He moved to Barca and has really kind of fallen on his feet not falling on his feet, falling on his ass is what I meant to say, uh, at Barca and just has not translated it when moving into a big team. Now, there's a, a counter argument to say Barcelona in general aren't being very great right now, but I've seen some good performances from players that have moved to Barca during this period and, and he, for me, isn't one. It's not like Sergino Dest. I look at Sergino Dest moving to Barcelona and he's kind of, he is progressing and doing well. 
junior Furpo is, is tricky. Clive, you do point out saying maybe we could look at him as kind of a project that we rejuvenate his career. There is always that chance, but it's a risk. It's always going to be a risk. And if you're junior Furpo and you're looking at your time at Barcelona and you're thinking, right now I'm behind Jordi Alba and eventually more time will come. And if it doesn't, I need to move somewhere I'm going to play. Is he going to want to move to Arsenal to be back up to Kieran Tierney, a 23-year-old, and try and compete with arguably one of the best left-backs in the Premier League? The answer to that is unlikely, but could still happen. I don't think there's the project there for Furpo. I get the idea of rejuvenation projects, and that's why I like the look of Luka Jovic, say, at Real Madrid is on loan at Frankfurt. Hasn't been able to get as many minutes at Frankfurt because of the form of Andre Silva. Um, but I look at him maybe as someone that you could put into the Arsenal team, give more minutes to, um, give him time kind of as an understudy to Aubameyang, and then you let him drive forwards once Aubameyang then moves on. With, with Furpo, it's tricky because of Tierney being so young. And that's why I think you need to either go, you go one of two ways. You either go... Um, I saw someone comment saying Mitchell um, from uh, Crystal Palace. Yes, Vanth. Um, you go the really young route, but we've kind of already got options there because you've got Joe Lopez in the youth side who is rated. I still think he's very raw and he needs to develop a lot more. So I don't think you need to necessarily invest in a really young left back because we've got that in the youth academy. Um, or you go the other route which is to buy someone experienced and someone else points as Amir said, Patrick Van Arnholt, which is who I thought we should have probably gone for in the January window on loan until the end of the season to be back up. I'm kind of more in favour of that route. Anything, go get a 30, 31-year-old left back that's going to be kind of just consistent. It's going to come in and do a decent job when they're called upon, but it doesn't block the path of the youngsters in the academy like Joel Lopez that comes through. That's that's how I view that personally. Um Let's scroll up to see if I've missed any questions. Um, Matt Gordon says, Mukiele is a steely right-back, centre-back hybrid. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I put him on my list of right-backs is because he can play right or left centre-back in addition to right-back. He's very versatile. He's physical. You've got like that six-foot-two height of a right-back, but still pacey. I think he's a completely different dimension to what we've got in Bellerin and something that we need. We need someone who's going to protect our right centre-back, be it Holding, be it Saliba, be it Mavropanos, whoever, next season. Could even still be Louise. Who knows at this stage? I just think, for me, that's kind of the ones that make the most sense. Thank you, Anz, for signing up as a member. Really appreciate it, mate. Uh, you've joined an absolutely fantastic crew of people. If you have joined up as an uh, expert member, then you can come join uh, our Discord server. I'm just logging on to check. Uh, which level of membership you have, and then I can direct you much more easily. Uh, and you're just a TGT member, which is fine. So you get access to all of the emojis, so you can put some flying fish in the chat if you like. Uh, Clive says, uh, Tierney is not an every week guy, health-wise, need a super attacker that replicates Tierney. I agree, Clive. You're 100% spot on. Again, it's just that tricky thing about finding someone that when Tierney does remain fit for six, for like eight months, the six to eight months of the season, which is the majority of it, Who's going to be willing to be behind him? Is Furpo? I'm not so sure. And I'm not convinced by him either. I would have, based on his performances at Real Betis, I would have signed him from Real Betis. But now having the time to reflect at him and how he's performed at Barcelona, it's, I'm not as convinced, personally. Um, <laughs> dearie me, Tebow. Or swimming chickens. Sure, you could, you could compare a flying fish to a swimming chicken, if you like. Very strange. But sure. 
Um, Matt says, we have to look at more homegrown players so we don't have to leave players out like we have this season, which is also a very good point. Samurai says, if Dan Gote is to take over this year, as the rumours say, would you say he should sack Arteta? Okay, let's let's cover this question in two parts. Let's look at him initially as a person. First of all, if you've only read articles basically about him and how much money he has and about his intentions, please take the time to research him fully, find out about him, find out his background, find out what he's involved in, find out where his money's coming from, find out everything. Because it is down to you. It's your responsibility as an Arsenal fan to try and be as, as informed as feasibly possible and then maybe have second thoughts. That's fine. I have my views. I'm not going to air them personally here. If he was to come in, which I have no control over, so if, it, if he comes in, it's the same with like when we signed David Luiz. I didn't really want him, but I had no control. So let's analyse the fact of if he was to come in, Dan Gote and take over. Should he sack Arteta? Well, Right now, the answer is no, because I personally feel Arteta is, is doing the right things at the club. He's changing the right things. He's getting the best out of some players. He's moving on the worst players, and it's going to take a, another summer window minimum to change more about the club that he needs. That's why he talked today about in the press conference about the planning that's already been done for this summer window, which is fantastic to hear, and it shows it gives me a little bit of confidence we're going to change our ways, fingers crossed. Um if you've got, I mean, we don't have to have to say him specifically, but any owner that's got a hell of a lot of money that's willing to put money into the club, you your expectations will change. Your targets will change. Even a club that suddenly puts a lot of money into a team, success doesn't happen like that. It's not just snap your fingers and it's done. Man City still took time to build up to the squad that they are at. And I know that they started off at a lower point than we did, than, than we are at right now, but it still takes time. You look at Everton, the money's going into them. You look at the 200 million that Chelsea has spent this summer. You don't just spend loads of money and suddenly win things. It doesn't work that way. It still does take time, but the targets will be different. They will be stricter. And you've also got the opportunity with that amount of money to change how I feel as a, a club that's got a lot more financial backing is you can change your coach more frequently. If a coach isn't working out after one or two years, then you can change them. So if Arteta, if say a different owner was in and Arteta didn't work out next year, then yeah, you'd probably say, move him on, get someone else in. Can he get a better ring out of these players? Can he bring in more players? Because we've got the money to do it. Under our current ownership, I don't think we've got the capacity to be a chop and changing side in regards to coaches. So we have to wait, see if it works. If it doesn't, then change. With those clubs, you can be a lot more cutthroat. Didn't work this season. See you later. We'll go get someone else. We'll get some quick wins. It's just it's how football works, really. And, and football isn't usually, in regards to success, a quick process. It takes time or it takes a lot of money with a shorter period of time, usually. We've got about 20 minutes or so to keep going through your questions. So keep throwing them into the chat. Jabalani says, Tom, we have been linked to Odson Edouard, but is Ivan Tony a better option? Tall, can play with his feet and his head, scores many, many goals. Um, I would personally go for Edouard over Tony. I think at 24, Tony is still quite raw for what I've seen of him and doing the research for the article that I put out on him. My mind's changed about him a lot this season. At this, like the first kind of half of the season, I was like, yeah, like this guy, this guy is who we should be going for, Ivan Tony all the way. But the more I've watched him, the more I've done research on him, I've realized that 
he needs a lot around him to make him work. And I kind of want a striker that creates chances for themselves, bullies defences, can get themselves out of tight spots, can work with their teammates. And Eduard, I think, fits that profile a lot more than Ivan Tony does. Alex McCarthy says, me on FIFA, by Aaron's, Van der Holt, Brendia, Eduard, Erdegaard, Sell, Bellerin, Chambers, Luis, Jacques Sabas, Nketiah, Pepe, William, Lacazette. Yeah. On FIFA, it's so easy, isn't it, Alex? So easy to just do what we like. I'm just going to go click that button and get, oh, look, financial investment. Yay! It's, like, it's just a different ballpark. And unfortunately, I see on Twitter sometimes, people like to do this thing where they put sell, and then they list a load of players, and they put a load of prices next to them. And then they go buy. They put a load of players, and they put a load of numbers. And they're like, "Oh, look, we've bought all these players. We've sold all these players, and we've made profits! Like unbelievable scenes." Why am I not in charge of Arsenal? There's a reason why you're not in charge of Arsenal when you're working at KFC. It just doesn't work like that. That's just not the world of football. That's not what we live with. That's not what we have. Uh, Jasho, I see that you may have upgraded your membership, mate. Uh, hopefully, that means. You can now join our Discord server if you have. You're an absolute legend, mate. You have indeed. Um, I'll be sending another link out to the community tab after today's show. So thank you, Jasha. Enjoy the uh, Discord server. We're welcome to you into it very, very soon, I am sure. Um, <laughs> uh, Elliot Roberts says, when would our – who would, sorry, our number one target be this summer? Good question. You have to think about which position – do you go for? I still think the number one target for Arsenal must be the centre midfield partner of Thomas Partey so that we can move on El Nenny, move on Genduzi, move on Torreira. And then you can either use that money or you can invest it elsewhere. But whatever happens, I see a cup one, two, maybe even three centre midfielders moving on. And I want Granit Xhaka to be a player that is rotated in purely for giving the main two pivot midfielders a rest. Granite Xhaka, for me, has done really, really well this towards the second half of this season. That's great. But he's also someone that I don't think is going to be like a player that progresses Arsenal further up the table continuously playing. I mean, if he keeps playing like he has done, there's the potential. But his ceiling isn't much higher than what he's producing at the moment. And he has those mistakes in him. So I'd be looking at the centre midfield partner next to Partey. My number one target is always going to be Ives Basuma right now. If you can't go out and get Ives Basuma, I'd be looking at other players. I like Mwepu at Red Bull Salzburg, Zambian international, really, really good, physical, 23 years old, loads of uh, potential still, and is already really good and very, not very similar to Partey, but he's got a lot of kind of those qualities about him. And having a tandem of two players of that style, I think would work. Really, really well at Arsenal for me. Um, Steve Stone says, Dan Goatee will buy the club later on. Always later on. Always an excuse. I don't think it will happen. All talk, which is also very, very true. Um, Dellinger says, Tom, are we always going to be playing second field to Man City and Chelsea due to their abundance of riches? Uh, the short answer to your question is, if we have Stan Kroenke as the owner, then of course. Of course we will, because we cannot compete with the spending. It's as simple as that. And it doesn't matter for me. For me, you could go out and you could put Pep Guardiola at this club. We might be, well, we probably would be doing better than we are right now with Pep Guardiola in charge. But I don't think Pep Guardiola gets this team to the same level as he gets Man City to where they are because of the difference in spending. Your ability is ultimately limited by how good you are. And that can be extended by the tools that you are given. A most master craftsman in any kind of employment is limited ultimately by the tools at their disposal. And there's a limit to that. 
if you take that limit away, the world's your oyster. But as long as we've got this owner that restricts how much we can spend in a window and by who we are spending on, because you might say, yeah, we've spent money. But the thing is, we've spent it very poorly. So it's not only about spending, it's about who you spend that money on. Not spending 34 million on Mustafi, not spending 40 million on Xhaka, not spending 72 million on Nicolas Pepe. But these kind of financial errors and the timing of when we go for certain players, like when we bought Pepe, we should have been spending 72 million pounds on the spine of the team, not on a luxury goal-scoring winger. That's not what we should have been doing. We should have been looking at a different area, which is why I always have the criticism of, of Unai Emery, because he just didn't, for me, get the positions that I thought we needed. He did at first, maybe, by bringing in Lucas Torreira, but then what did he do with Lucas Torreira? He played him as a number 10. So it's about having the right manager that knows the right positions, which I personally feel we have, and Arteta has shown that by bringing in Gabriel and Partey, by going in in January and getting Udegaard on loan when things were really limited. I think that shows the good now. So I think the technical director, Edu, has started to turn the minds of a lot of people. We're moving out a lot of the key components of the squad. But you can do all those things and still you're limited in the summer by the amount of money that you can spend. And until that we have an owner that is going to invest heavily and we can invest a lot of money ourselves, we're never going to be on that level. We might be able to get a lucky title challenge during a season if a lot of things go our way. But unless you have the same financial backing consistently every single season as City and Chelsea and United, you aren't going to be putting on that title challenge as they are. It, you just can't close the gap. It's just not possible to close the gap without that same type of spending it's just as simple as that really uh mir reaction says pep even admitted that it's money why they're winning the league exactly i saw that interview really really open and honest and true like he knows that's the case he knows that is the case oh dearie me uh samurai says um alexander isaac is linked with us uh, and city 21 games played, 12 goals and one assist. Could he be a realistic option? I included him in my 10 strikers that I think Arsenal could look at. I'm going to be making some videos and tactical breakdowns a little bit nearer the transfer window about more of the strikers, the positions, the top fives. We'll do some top five, top 10 videos of players and do some tactical breakdowns uh, on targets. Uh, I think that'd be quite a cool idea. So don't worry about that. We'll cover that. Uh, and Isaac was in my 10 that I wrote about the other day. So there's my thoughts on that. Um, bu -bu 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 Let's scroll down. Yonick says, uh, you say the priority is a partner for Partey. Would they be playing in a two-man pivot or will one sit slightly deeper? Because that would change the player target we get. Of course, Yonick. And it's a really good question because I look at part. I don't look at Partey as a Gilberto Silva. I look at Partey as the Vieira in the two in the midfield. Gilberto Silva was the more defensive. Vieira is the one that sat in front and could progress the ball. And I think Ives Basuma would be a really good partner for Partey because he can be disciplined. He can distribute from deep positions with his passing. I think he's a really good option there. So yes, it's 100% spot on is that we need to be looking at a sentiment full partner that I believe is more disciplined than what Thomas Partey is, is in regards to positioning. Although there is the second point to say that you could get two equally as good players that no positional discipline like Partey also does, that when one progresses, the other one sits and vice versa. So it can work both ways and it depends on the tactical instruction that you give those players ultimately. Um, Mr. Joe Kerr says, would engineering the club towards frequent FA Cups and Europa League trophies by suffi uh, be sufficient as successful for the majority of the fan base? For the fan base, Joe, no, of course. The fan base will want to be challenging for titles because that's what Arsenal have previously done. 
that is always going to be what the fans will want. And quite rightly, fans should want us to go for the title. In a realistic world, though, we might want the title, but can we expect the title? Of course not. So if we, at the level that we're at now, if we're regularly winning trophies, that I think that looks upon as quite good success for what realistically we can achieve. And if we're getting into the Champions League, that's that would be success for the money that we've got and the level that we're at. I look at that as, as a good level of success for Arsenal. If you were to change owner and get an owner in that was going to invest to the same levels that Man City, Chelsea and United are able to do every single season, then it would be different. Then the targets change. It's, it's all about how much and the standing of the club in comparison to the other teams around you. Um, there are always anomalies. There are always teams that have a really good season. You look at West Ham this season, and it's always down to kind of the investment as well that's going in. Like Leicester have spent 150 odd million pounds on really good players over the last couple of seasons, and they've sold really well as well, similar to how Liverpool were able to challenge for the title in 2020. It's about the how you sell, how you buy, and how you use your money. You can spend a lot, and Arsenal have spent a lot, but it's ultimately what you spend that money on that is the most important thing for the club. Uh, Chris P says, do you think Arteta's end game is still going to 4-3-3? Yeah, kind of like the 4-3-3 or the 4-2-3-1. It's going to be that sort of, of formation. Um, let's scroll up. Juan Felipe Palacio Rivera says, Tom, what teams would you like to be relegated so that we can go and get their most important players? Well, City. Chris, uh, City, Juan, sorry, obviously. <laughs> but if we're being realistic, if you're going to be looking at the kind of the players that are going to get relegated this season, I mean, that Maitland-Niles kid at West Brom looks... Oh, I'm only joking. Um, I mean, who's down there? Fulham. I like Anguissa, but I don't think he's as good as some of the other teams. Brighton, obviously, to get Basuma makes sense. Relegate Brighton, go get Basuma. Uh, I like Leandro Trossard as kind of a backup, I don't think. I don't think that's an option you should probably go for. Um, who else is down there? Newcastle. Um, anyone at Newcastle? Said Maximin, I don't like. Almiron, I don't think is of the level required. Lascelles is okay, but again, not really. So I'm struggling. Basuma at Brighton is all I can kind of think of. I'm sure people in the chat box will come up with some more ideas um, about who... Uh, we should be looking at. Uh, Zamir says, Juve have bought McKenney for $22 million uh, as an absolute steal. Um, exactly. like These deals are out there. These these guys are out there to get. You can get quality players in certain positions for a certain amount of money. It's like it's It really is possible to find these deals. You look at West Ham and there's the ability to sign. The problem is a lot of people associate the level of money a player costs with how good they are, unfortunately, because it's just easy, isn't it? Uh, and in reality, that just isn't really the how the way the world works because Thomas Suchek is arguably better than all of our centre-mids bar Partey. Kufal's better than our right-backs. Jaya Bowen is doing excellently well on the right-hand side. has been better than Pepe. has been better than Willian. And he's only beaten outright by Bukayo Saka right now. Um, who else in the team? Mikel Antonio has performed better than our strikers this season. Is he better on paper? You would say no, but he's been doing really, really well at the moment. Uh, yes, Vance says Sander Berg at Sheffield United. John Fleck <laughs> says Ty. Uh, I'm not sure about John Fleck. Sander Berg is, is, is a potential player, but again, does he, does he get into the top six teams in the Premier League? No. So I wouldn't be going for Sander Berg. Does Basuma? Yes, he does. So I would go for him. 
Uh, Elias says, which league do you think is best to buy players from, especially in the style of play that Arsenal... The Premier League, mate. The Premier League is where Arsenal needs to be looking. Yeah, it's expensive. But if you want to be successful in this league, if you want to progress up the table more efficiently, buy from your rivals, buy from other teams in the Prem, buy from players that don't need to transition. That's where you need to go for, ultimately. that That is the type of player. Uh, Ingar says, why is Arsenal scouting so poor? I don't think it's so poor. I mean, you look at players like Tierney, uh, like Gabriel Martinelli, like these guys that we've brought in. It's not so poor. Saliba, like, there is obviously good things going on behind the scenes. It's just about consistency in the good players that we're bringing in. It's not hugely poor. It's just hit and miss, and that is a problem is that our scouting is very hit and miss. Our recruitment's very hit and miss. To be honest, even our scouting is pretty darn good. We just don't act upon it. Like, we us, we find good players. We just let them go elsewhere. We don't hit them, like, we don't get them in early enough, and then their value increases exponentially. I'll always come back, come back to my boy, Sob Osly. Like, we could have gone out and got him. We didn't. We didn't go out and get him soon enough, and now he's at RB Leipzig, and we'll be there. And they have a habit of taking players that either we want or we've got, because Balogun could end up at RB Leipzig. So it's about really attacking those targets early on in their careers before they make that move, before their value exponentially grows. That's what's most important. Uh, Elliot says, what are your thoughts on Arsenal scouting the North American market more in future? Big clubs such as Juve and Barca are getting steals for little cost. Elliot, it's something that I'm massively passionate about. It's something that I am looking more into. I'm looking at the MLS. I'm doing interviews with players from the MLS because it really excites me. I've spoken to players at Toronto, at Philadelphia Union, um, at Austin FC. I spoke to uh, Matt Freeze is a young keeper at Philadelphia Union doing really, really well. This is me. Obviously, it sounds a bit like David Brent right now. Um, <laughs> but I am really interested in the MLS and speaking to players out there, learning more about what's going on there. And there's some really good talent coming through. Um, Jaden Nelson at Toronto. Um, it's just... There's options for Arsenal to look at in that market. You look at um, Reynolds, who is at Dallas and is, is I think, going to... Roma, I think. There's options to get. Josef Martinez, I would have got from Atlanta as more of already an established player. He had a beardy bag, cruciate knee ligament injury that ruled him out of last season. But had you have got him before that, maybe that doesn't happen and he was a very good striker. Um, who else in MLS do I like? I mean, ironically, I wouldn't get him now because he's wrong age. But Carlos Vela went out there and done really, really well, became a really top talent. And, and it's not down purely to the quality of the league. He became a really good player at Real Sociedad and then transformed that into a, a really top-class player in MLS. Um, well, the players there. I mean, Miguel Almiron obviously moved over from Atlanta to Newcastle, has done okay in, in the Prem, doesn't done amazing. Um, but I just think there's obviously Alfonso Davis, Jonathan David. Um, there are opportunities out there in the MLS to get some decent players in. Um, and it's the North American markets hotting up because... The MLS teams are investing more in their academies. And not only that, but you've got the CSL in Canada that's um, the Canadian Super League, which is now becoming alongside, not alongside the MLS, but obviously it's, it's there. MLS teams in Canada would have to take teams from like just like colleges and stuff. But now with the Canadian Super League there, team players can actually develop and grow from an early age and get coached and improve. And you've got that infrastructure that's growing in North America. So it's a really interesting league. It's one that I'm trying to educate 
myself about a lot more and speak to more people out there and get connections out there. Um, and fingers crossed, I can interview a few more players out there as well. But, uh, I mean, one player you need to look out for next season is Austin FC, Danny Pereira. He was the number one super draft pick this season. Um, came in from Virginia Tech, I believe, and he's going to be playing in his first season in Austin FC's first MLS season. I'm going to try and watch more of the MLS because like, this is exciting. This genuinely is, I'm excited about MLS and uh, what's going on out there. So fingers crossed uh, we can see some more talents making the move. And they're keen. Every, every player that I've done interviews with in MLS so far, always what they say is that they want to play in Europe. They all say that they want to make that move over to Europe and achieve that dream. Every single one I've spoken to so far has said that is the dream. So they're willing. The route is there. The opportunities are there. They want to come. It's just about identifying the right players. So fantastic question, Elliot, and you're 100% spot on. Tyree says, you have suggested left-backs and strikers uh, at 101. Which one would you have chosen for both and sent them in? Uh, I've done right-backs and strikers, but left-backs I was thinking about either doing to the... In fact, when I start my shift in, in 10 minutes' time, uh, I'm going to do another article a little bit later on today about a different position. Tell me what position I should be looking at. Top five players in what position, because I'll, I'll probably will cover that uh, today. So let me know in the chat box which position you want to see. Um, but in answer to your question, which striker do I want? I You may be surprised by this, but I want Yusuf N. Naziri at Sevilla. He is my striker pick. Um, personally, I think it would cost a bit of money, probably looking at about £35 million to get him in. But he's 23, he's physical, he's fast, he's a good finisher. And I think he's an underrated player in Europe. And personally, he is who I would go for to be Arsenal striker um, next season and be understudied to Aubameyang and bring in. Really like the guy, doing really well at Sevilla. Um, he's the one that West Ham made a bid for him, about £27 million in January that was rejected. Uh, I want him. He is the one I'm looking at. Um, so that's my choice. In terms of centre mid, I've already said Ives Basuma. All day long, I'm looking at Ives Basuma. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people with different suggestions for the position I should be looking at. Spencer, Spencer I've done right backs. You can check out the article. In fact, I'm going to post it into the chat box right now. You can read the article all about right backs. It's right there for you. Um, so hopefully that comes through. Centre-backs is an interesting one. Arguably, do we need to look at centre-backs? Because we've got Saliba and Mavropanos coming back, maybe. Centre-midfield partner is probably the one I was leaning most towards uh, for Thomas Partey. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm probably going to be looking at centre-midfielders, maybe left-back backups, and then probably eventually we'll, we'll do another centre-back video uh, as well. Anyway, I'm going to finish the show uh, there Thank you ever so much, people, for tuning in um, today. If you could drop a like on the video, I really genuinely would appreciate it. Um, and if you've enjoyed it, of course, and you're not a subscriber already, please do subscribe to the channel and you can check out all the daily content that we get. Tomorrow, I'll be doing a members preview with some of the members. So if you are an expert member, as Jashar, you now are, so you could join me tomorrow, but I'm with some of the members uh, expert members and TGT uh, ambassadors are going to be doing a preview for the Burnley game tomorrow about 3 p.m. UK time. So in the Discord server, I'll be making sure to reach out. So if you want to get involved with that, let me know. If you want to join up as a member, of course, click that join button in the description. You get access to the, the emojis in the chat. You get access to our Discord server if you become an expert member. Uh, and we do exclusive content every now and again, every month. So uh, hopefully I'll be getting some of that out for you with John. We've got another... Uh, 
uh, Arsenal Social Let's Talk Arsenal podcast with John this month. So that should be fun. That goes out for the members too. So, yeah, make sure you check it out. And uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to you guys, as always. I hope you liked the new new-ish thumbnail. It's not the main thumbnail, but let me know what you thought of that and in the comments. And, uh, yeah, I'll speak to you again very, very soon. And, as always, of the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates are out, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18+, plus. serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.